Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. This is the 31st program in this series, where I'm in John chapter 7. I'm going to review John chapter 7, beginning from verse 1, where it says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, of course, I explained in a previous program that this is not all the Jews, just some of them. In verse 2, it says, Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world." For even his brothers did not believe in him. They were speaking with contempt, and they were encouraging him to go to Judea because there were Jews there who wanted to kill him. And so his brothers effectively say to Jesus, Jesus, why don't you go and get yourself killed? Why don't you just go to Judea and get yourself killed? That's effectively what they were saying to him. Because they did not believe, they did not believe in him. To what degree they accepted or that they believed in the miracles that he was doing, it doesn't say. But we do know that they did not acknowledge Jesus was who he said he was. They were not willing to acknowledge that. They thought, they believed that what Jesus was doing was a bunch of things for the purpose of drawing attention to himself, that that's what he was doing. He was trying to draw attention to himself. He was wanting to be known by people. He was wanting a bunch of followers for himself. What they were telling him was, Jesus, this is just all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's not about anything else. It's not about anything that's really important. This is just all about you. And since this is all about you, Jesus, because this is just your thing, because of that, why don't you just go and get yourself killed? That is how Jesus' brothers related to him. So Jesus said in verse 6, Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. Jesus responds to their confrontation with him. He responds to what they accuse him of by saying, Hey, you know, why don't you just go ahead and go? I'm not ready to go yet. It's not time for me to go. 
you just go ahead and go. He's not even going to have a discussion with them about this issue of them telling him it's just all about you. Instead, what he does in verse 9 is he goes secretly. In verse 9, this is John chapter 7, verse 9, it says, When he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee, but when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. And so in verse 4, his brothers confront him and they say, For no one does anything in secret. And then Jesus does something in secret. Now, his brothers would have found out about what Jesus did, that his brothers accused him of doing these miracles, of conducting his ministry, of teaching people just for himself, that it wasn't about the living God. It was just all about Jesus. So they confront him with this and they give him the criteria, the supposed criteria as to how they might be willing to accept him as their Messiah. They give him the supposed criteria by stating in verse 4, For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. All right, well, he does something in secret so that he is not so well known openly. This is now evidence to show his brothers that what they thought of him was not true. Jesus went secretly. They would have found out that he went secretly. And in finding out, would they now believe him? Well, we don't have enough evidence to show exactly what happened. But because there is no record concerning his brothers, except for his brother James later on after Jesus died and rose from the dead, because we don't have any indication that his brothers repented, I think it's reasonable to assume that even after Jesus goes to the feast in secret, they still were not willing to concede in who he really was, which would make sense because the accusations that they made against him were not the real issue anyway. The suggestion that he was just doing this for himself was not that important to them. That wasn't the real issue. The real issue was that Jesus was telling people the truth. And his brothers did not believe what Jesus was saying. And this is really important to see because you will have conversations with a lot of people who will raise issues, who will speak to you about certain things, And they will pretend that the things that they speak to you about are what is important to them. But the reality will be in many cases that those are not the things that are important to them. Those are the things that they are using to protect themselves, to hide from the real issues that are bothering them. You'll find this in a lot of debates when people are having debates about various topics People will have conversations with others and they will argue points. And at the end of the debate or the end of the argument, in general, the person who would effectively lose the argument on the basis of truth will not concede and will not change their mind because the position itself really isn't that important to them anyway. 
What will be important is what they are hiding with that position, that the position protects them so that people cannot find out what the real issues are that this individual is really concerned about. And this is an example. They are telling Jesus that he's doing things inappropriately, that he is in this all for himself. And the evidence of that is that he is doing things openly. All right, so Jesus does things secretly. Will they now acknowledge that he's not just doing this for himself? No, they're not going to acknowledge that. Because the real issues have to do with what Jesus was teaching related to what is true and what is not true. So again in verse 10, But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? Again, not all of the Jews, just some of them who had an interest in Jesus being killed. Now, as I explained in the previous messages, there were many reasons as to why people wanted Jesus to be killed. One of the reasons was because they thought that Jesus was violating the Sabbath law. This goes back to the healing at the Pool of Bethesda and a number of other things that Jesus did. They believed that Jesus was violating the Sabbath law and the penalty for violating the Sabbath law, according to the law of Moses, is death. And there were many people who genuinely believed that if they failed to fulfill the obligation of putting him to death for his violation of the Sabbath law, that God would hold that against the people and that God may take away their place and their nation, that he might cause them to be evicted from the promised land like he evicted them from the promised land before several hundred years prior. This was one of the reasons why many of the very religious Jews would have an interest in Jesus being killed because they were concerned about national safety. There were other reasons, such as their own personal job security, whether or not Jesus was telling the truth and that people would follow Jesus and not the rabbis or themselves. There were a lot of issues, but the Sabbath law was a big topic, and we have that recorded throughout all of the Gospels. Now, in verse 11, there were people who were looking for him. He was expected to be there. If he's going to be obedient to the Mosaic law, he has to be there. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. He's expected to be there in Jerusalem. And so there were people who were looking for him, but they were not looking for him because they wanted to listen to what he had to say, not for the purpose of believing in him. They were wanting to find him so that they could keep an eye on him and they could listen to what he had to say and what he was going to do so that they could accuse him of committing a crime so that they could be a witness to testify against Jesus in a trial for violating the law. So they were looking for him in verse 12. And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said he is good. Others said, no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. And again, this was just some of the Jews because just about everybody there was a Jew. So again, in verse 12, some said he is good. Others said, no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. So who was Jesus? 
Was he a good person or was he a bad person? Was he a deceiver? Well, it just depended on who you asked. People will relate to you in the same way. They will consider you to be good or evil just depending on them. And it will depend on their value system. It won't depend on your value system. It will depend on theirs. They will evaluate you according to their standard of what is good and what is evil. And it's important to see this. It is important to understand that everyone is going to evaluate you according to their criteria. And everyone is going to evaluate Jesus according to their criteria. So who is going to believe in Jesus? Those who think that Jesus is telling the truth. If they think that Jesus is telling the truth, then Jesus is a good person to them. And if they don't think that Jesus is telling the truth, then he will be a bad person, according to them. It's all about what is true and what is not. And it's important to understand that people make a choice concerning what they believe is true, and what they don't believe is true. And this is unfortunate, of course, because there is a truth. Who is the person who defines truth? It's God. God is the one who created the world that we are in, that we are a part of, and so he's the one who gets to decide what is true and what is not. And so if your beliefs do not conform to what God thinks about the truth, then you're the one who has a problem, not God and not his representatives. You're the one who has an issue. And so it's important to keep in mind that regardless of what the topic is or what people are arguing about or what causes conflict between people, regardless of what people think, God probably has an opinion on that particular subject. And because he probably has an opinion, it is worthwhile to learn about your God as much as you possibly can so that you may perhaps have some discernment concerning what he thinks. Because it turns out that what he thinks is important. Now, Jesus did not conform to the beliefs of the people that he didn't agree with. He had a standard. This was God manifested in the flesh. He had an absolute definition that was correct concerning what is real and what is not real, what is true and what is a lie. And Jesus was very consistent about the truth, about what he believed and about his purpose In this world, Jesus was devoted to the tasks that he had. He was devoted and he was exclusive when it came to what he believed and what he was doing and what he was going to accomplish. Jesus was not persuaded by anyone concerning the truth. He was the living manifestation of the truth. So because of this, Jesus was a very focused individual, and he stayed true to who he was. Now, in our own lives, we could adapt just to get other people to like us. 
We could consider adopting different beliefs just because we want to be a part of a group of people, a certain group of people. And in order to be a part of that group of people, you have to conform to their beliefs. You have to subscribe to their beliefs. And I have known people who, without any conviction whatsoever, have adopted the beliefs of others just so that these people would like them. And they would do so dishonestly, outright, or sometimes they would say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter anyway, and that these beliefs are okay, I'll just go ahead and embrace them and live them, and maybe something good will happen. Without any conviction whatsoever, people will just assume certain beliefs. And if somebody wants to argue with them, then they will be willing to argue the point, and they could present themselves as if they are taking a strong position and argue the issues, knowing full well that those issues are not important to them at all anyway. And so it wouldn't even matter if the argument was won or lost, or if there was some rational conclusion that would show that this person was living in a lie. They wouldn't care anyway. And so to them, it could very well be a form of recreation to argue with you because they don't really care anyway. They're just pretending to have some conviction when in reality, they don't. I have known a lot of people like this. So it just depends on who you ask when it comes to, is Jesus a good person or not, according to verse 12. But even then, Jesus was consistent with who he was, and we should all be consistent with who we are regardless of what other people think of us so that we can stay true to what we believe is true. And if we discover that we are believing something that isn't true, then we should be very direct and very determined and devoted to changing our beliefs, to making that adjustment, and to embrace that which is true. And so a little bit at a time, we can increase in our living in reality. And we can have a greater opportunity to have a healthy relationship with the living God who lives in reality. Continuing into verse 14, it says, Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. This was a way that Jesus communicated that it wasn't just about Jesus. It was about the living God who he represented, who he was a representative of. Now, he was the living God manifested in the flesh, but he came to live as a man. And as a man, he would be a representative of God and convey to others what God conveyed to him, what God taught him. He would teach others the things that his God revealed to him. And the Jews marveled because there was a belief that the only way that a person can legitimately know the things of God is if he is properly educated by one of the rabbis. One of the rabbis had to teach you. You had to have a rabbi in your life. You had to be under the authority 
of a religious leader who would teach you. And this person would have proper credentials to include having a rabbi himself who taught him, who guided him, who instructed him. In fact, one of the popular ways of teaching was to quote other rabbis who lived before you, who were recognized and who were respected by people. And people would quote these rabbis who may have lived a generation or two or three generations before them, and that was a way to assert authority. That was a way to assert your credentials to be able to teach the scriptures, because you would say, Rabbi so-and-so said, Rabbi so-and-so said such-and-such. That's what they would do. And so through your communication with others, you would express You would expose your credentials by quoting someone else who was well-respected with the expectation that eventually you yourself would become highly respected because clearly you know what other well-respected people have said and you are able to communicate it and use it as those people used it themselves. And in this way, the religious leaders of the community were able to assert their authority. They were able to assert their ability to teach others about the living God. And they would be respected by the community because they would quote those before them that the community recognized. So in verse 15, when it says, And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters having never studied, if he had studied, then he would be quoting all of these religious guys who were well-respected by the community, by the religious community. But he wouldn't be doing that. He would be speaking directly to the people about the God that he knew. That was how Jesus taught. He spoke about the person that he knew, and he told others what this person told him. That was how he taught. You know, sometimes people will ask me about the writings of Judaism, about the Talmud, and about the Mishnah, the Gomorrah, and about the teachers of Judaism, and the things that they expressed. And they ask me, is it worth studying what they had to say? And my answer is always the same. Well, they may have something to say that is worth listening to, that there may be an expression of wisdom here and there. I have found a few things that I enjoy. But you have to remember that these are people who are spiritually dead, who do not have a personal interactive relationship with the living God. And so if they have anything to say that is different from And God said, there is a possibility that is not worth considering. And we need to keep that in mind. We don't know exactly what Jesus taught because it isn't recorded here. But considering everything that we know that we have recorded concerning what Jesus taught, and when I compare that with what the other religious leaders were teaching, I can tell that Jesus would not be quoting the rabbis who the people respected, the rabbis of the generations before them. 
And this is why Jesus responds in the way that he did. In verse 16, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. This would be clearly understood by the people as Jesus speaking to them about the fact that this is not about Jesus. This is about the living God. He is a representative of him, and he wants the people to know him, know the living God as a person. And if anyone wants to know him as a person, then the Lord will testify and give them discernment concerning the truth that Jesus reveals. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 31st program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 7, verses 8 through 18, where I explained that Jesus remained focused on why he was there. That regardless of what other people thought about him, he was true to what the Lord gave him to do, and he was true to what the Lord told him to say to other people. His brothers had an opinion about him. His brothers did not believe in him, and they expressed contempt towards him. But he remained focused on what he was there to do, and he did not engage in a conflict with his brothers. When he taught at the temple, there were a lot of people who questioned the legitimacy of what Jesus was teaching because he didn't have the credentials that they felt he should have but he remained true to what his God revealed to him and shared that with other people. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you.